Blanche Debris, and you're listening to The Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. Thank you for listening to this mini episode of The Pasty Tapes. I am your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling, recording from my kitchen today in Chicago. This week marks my second burlesque anniversary, my second burlesque birthday, my burly birthday. I made my burlesque debut in the Delinquent Debutante Student Graduation in Nashville in 2018. And I'd been studying burlesque for years and years and years before Show My More became a thing on stage through that graduation. But it's been two years of Show My officially being a burlesque thing. Happy birthday to Show My, I guess. Last year on my Instagram, I wrote out all the things that happened to me in year one, and because I have a really hard time celebrating myself, I will admit that, I am doing that again for year two. I'm going to read this list out loud here, and if you want to see the pictures that go along with these things, go to my Instagram. I made a little highlight page for it. Okay, here's the cool shit that happened to me in year two. I was voted the number four most influential burlesque performer in the world on 21st Century Burlesque Magazine's Top 50 of 2019, which, holy shit, still blows my mind. Thank you so much. I launched this burlesque podcast, which hit over 15,000 downloads in less than a year, which I think is kind of cool considering I don't do much besides promote it across my own social media. So again, thank you for your love and support on that. Also, I think this is around-ish the one-year anniversary of the Pacey Tapes. How rad is that? Okay, anyway, in year two, I was a special featured guest at a festival. I featured at a show headlined by one of my heroes. I taught two classes at BurleyCon. I organized a leopard jumpsuit takeover, and we have a really, really sweet photo to prove it. I wrote a new class on brand, branding, and merch. I wrote a whole ass zine about merch. I wrote a whole ass activity journal about being your own cheerleader, fighting these moments of, "Mm, I have a hard time celebrating myself. And I wrote a whole ass activity zine journal on figuring out your own brand. All of these things have been accepted into BurleyCon for 2020 and will be offered online soon. So stay tuned for that. I also, in year two, performed in six new-to-me states. I launched and maintained a social media management business for burlesquers. I saved up and attended BHA for the first time. That was really fun. That was also about a year ago. I got a new dumpling basket and have been reworking my act, The Dumpling, ever since, over and over and over again. I found and felt really, really secure in my squad of magnificent kind, and really generous, lovely, beautiful friends. I also wrote a post about the problem of fat phobia in burlesque that circulated around a lot on Facebook, which, you know, is really fascinating and strange. And the messages I got were very, very odd as time went on. You know, something I noticed is you can be the fourth most whatever person in the world and still not make it onto some stages because you're fat. That's a problem, and to deny that as a reality in itself is a problem, and I'm going to continually challenge you and burlesque itself to examine your own fat phobia, and ask yourself, why is this a cast of all thin people, and to do something about it, because you can do something about it, and it's important. That's my brief list of year two cool things. You can celebrate my second birthday by telling your friends you love them, reflect on fat phobia in your life and in burlesque, and 
eat a dumpling or a sweet treat in my honor. Thank you again for all of your love and all of your support and for everyone who came before me to make this all happen for a fat Asian babe like me to have this level of success two years in. Again, thank you. Happy birthday to show my more. Let's get on with the show. This is a special mini episode of the Pacey Tapes where I interview my very first full episode sponsor of the podcast. The Pacey Tapes is definitely a labor of love. Running a podcast is expensive as fuck. It costs something to do everything. It costs money to host this podcast on a platform, to then push it out onto Spotify and Apple and all those places. It obviously costs money to have a website, to have bumper music, to have the software to edit, to get transcriptions of the show. And then it takes time to do research, to have the conversations, to edit. Oh my God, the hours and hours and hours of editing that happens. It's a lot, but I love it. And I love, love, love bringing this podcast to you. Sponsorship is a way to help fund the podcast, and the idea of setting up a sponsorship program first came about with my guest today. If you're interested in learning more about sponsoring an episode of The Pacey Tapes, you can send me an email at thepaceytapes at gmail.com to get my sponsorship deck. I know money is tight all around, and there's other smaller ways to contribute. You can support with donations or by joining The Pacey Tapes Fan Club, which gives you some goodies in return. You can also support by doing what you're doing right now, keep listening to the show, keep sharing it with your friends, keep giving me feedback, and let me know that you're out there and listening. If you're listening to this right now, send me a text at 1-530-PASTIES. That's 1-530-727-8437 with the word orange. My guest today is a burlesque superfan and sponsor of Iva Handful's episode that you heard a few weeks ago, Rockstar Vibes. He is based in Atlanta, Georgia, by way of Knoxville, Tennessee, and is an absolute joy to talk to about burlesque. This is my conversation with Paul Lewis. Paul Lewis, thank you so much for being on this episode of The Pasty Tapes. It is a distinct pleasure to be invited. Thank you. And thank you for being my very, very, very first Pasty Tapes sponsor. You sponsored I Have a Handful's episode. Can you tell me from your point of view how you came about in deciding to sponsor my little baby project here, the Pasty Tapes. Well, the sponsorship came about because I really enjoyed what you were doing on the podcast. I think it's kind of a valuable service, both as sort of a record of this moment in time in burlesque and for allowing performers to explain themselves a bit. I just, I, again, I just really enjoyed the show. I'm pretty sure it was Behoff last year, 2019. Yeah. Uh, you were still figuring things out with the, with the podcast and you brought up the possibility of sponsorship and that just, just appealed to me. And it just seemed like, oh, sponsorship, this kind of makes sense. And when you were going through a list of people that you were interested in interviewing, Iva came up. It just seemed like a natural fit. It just seemed like, yes, this is something I'm interested in. Oh, this particular episode, I have a handful who's certainly among my favorite people on the planet. Yes, I would like to sponsor that. And it really was as as simple as that, that it, it just sort of seemed right. Thanks, Paul. I really appreciate that. Oh, of course. Who are you? What's your burlesque story? How did you become a super fan of burlesque? I'm going to just say this. You know, I recognize that I'm not always the most social person, so I'm not the most well-known person in, in the burlesque world. But I recognize very strongly that it is 
primarily uh, a feminist and, and queer space for people to express themselves. Having been a fan for a number of years and knowing performers for a number of years, I've been fortunate to receive you know, a certain amount of access. I do not take that for granted at all. I recognize sort of as a straight white male having a bit of a window into this world. It's a privilege and I really, really appreciate it. Largely, the answer to that, if you want to boil it down, was that I was invited to a burlesque show. My partner, otherwise known as Bunny Wigglebottom, was interested in burlesque for years before she actually got on stage to perform. We were in Los Angeles and she had been learning. Uh, she'd been watching old documentaries. I don't really want to tell her story because that's her story to tell, but she wanted to go to, to a show. It may have been a reunion show of some kind of a, a troupe in Los Angeles, and I believe it was the 10th anniversary show for Velvet Hammer, you know, kind of an infamous troupe in the neo scene. That was my first show, and I didn't have any expectations for it. I enjoyed it. You know, I had a lot of fun. It was in a big theater, too. Like, it had a really big crowd, kind of really only seeing a festival nowadays. I, you know, I thought that would probably be it. I had a good time, but I didn't leave like, oh, I got to see more of this. Cut to later, Bunny just kept having this interest, and I kept being able to go along as she started going to, to festivals and you know, taking classes. I was very fortunate very early on to see a show in, uh, in Dallas with Dirty Martini, Pearl Noir, Ginger Valentine, Coco Electric. I mean, these are performers that I still, to this day, are among my favorites. Oh, absolutely. And, what uh, a show to see. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and this was relatively, again, pretty pretty darn early in my, in my burlesque journey. These are performers who are, have been among the best in the world for, for years and years and years. So I, I guess that kind of set a bar. Then, oh, this is what a really good performer can do. But I still, I, I didn't, I hadn't really caught the fire. You know what I mean? It, it was kind of thrilling to see that show. And, you know, again, I, I, I enjoyed burlesque enough to keep coming back. But then what really did it for me and very specifically roping Iva into this, there used to be a festival in Atlanta. It uh, lasted for five years called Southern Fried Burlesque Festival. I'm blanking on the exact year, but it, it's been some years back. Iva was not a headline. She was just one of the many people performing in one of the shows. And she did Firestarter. It, it blew my freaking mind. It was very different than anything I'd seen up to that point, or at least it read as different to me. You know, I, I had seen some good stuff so that I was ready to receive this kind of amazing thing. <laughs> That was, that was gifted to me from the stage. I've used the term, it sort of opened my third eye to burlesque. It really made me see how it could be this radically individualistic statement of using striptease and performance art and, and what have you to get this just very specific effect on stage, this you know kind of four-minute whirlwind. And I just remember the room just the air being sucked out of it and then rushing back in. It was the standing ovation. It was just thrilling. After lots of very good foundation was assembled, that was the thing that just blew up for me. Even sometimes even really good acts, you they, they begin to fade for you. But that act just I still have very vivid memories of it. What was it about that Firestarter act? Like what really stood out for you that gave you this kind of 
wow burlesque. I mean, more than wow burlesque moment. First of all, like the the song, the music selection. I'm not even a particularly big fan of that song. So, I mean, I was familiar with it, but it's not like I had the connection. Oh, here's my favorite song, and here's a burlesque routine to it. It was it was just different than things I had seen to that point. There was something about the way Iva just was completely herself in that four minutes on stage. And Firestarter is by no means soft. It's this very, you know, the fans are really more like razors than they are these extensions of the arms and fingers. You know, she's just up there, you know, slicing them through the air. And I don't know, again, it's almost this alchemical reaction to this is something that I love now it just was this transformative moment and i could stumble over it all day but it it really is almost a nonverbal reaction i knew that something had changed my perception of what i was seeing and the potential of what i could see had changed absolutely yeah also that if people haven't seen firestarter yet definitely look it up (laughs) online there's great videos of it out there i just love seeing iva being iva uh, on stage with with that choreography and that music, it's uh, it's really special. So you also did a blog series, your Burlesque Appreciation Month, which people can find on Blogspot. I'll put a link in the show notes. The first person you wrote about for your day one was Iva Handful. And of course, the first person you sponsored for the Pacey Tapes was Iva. Thank you again for bringing us that beautiful episode last week. You're helping make sure that that happened. Tell me more about your friendship with Iva. Oh, sure. It's one of the things that fascinates me about performers and very much burlesque performers is sometimes there's a big disconnect or at least a difference between the onstage persona and the actual human being who goes about their day-to-day life. After seeing her just destroy that stage in, uh, in Atlanta, I just felt this compulsion to go up and try to try to meet her. And she was vending her um, ties that she used to rhinestone a business. She has now sadly given up so she can focus more time on uh, actually creating acts. I I just sort of sheepishly kind of went up to her because I expected, I, I didn't know what to expect. I just thought this, you know, kind of whirling dervish of energy and, but just this, I expected some, I, I don't know what I expected, but actually go up to introduce myself and, you know, just this very soft voice comes out of her and, um, you know, she's just so thoughtful and helpful. I was just fascinated by the onstage Iva versus the offstage Iva. And if you know her very well, there's, there's not really a whole lot of difference, but to a neophyte or someone that might have just met her, there's an alarming difference almost. There, there's seemed to be this who she was on stage versus who she was off stage. You know, also I just loved uh, her neckties. Every time I would see her, I would buy one because there would always be just so many fascinating neckties that she had sort of scrounged over time as she, as she traveled, she'd hit vintage stores and, and buy some ties. I used to not be terribly interested in fashion and I still fashion is is what it is but i very much started going to shows with the idea of dressing up as a show of respect for the performers iva's neckties and and she wasn't the only one to do them serafina fierro did did them as well they became sort of a signature for me like they became something that i would dress up in to show my respect for the performers and and you know they're rhinestones so they're very uh, very appropriate 
for burlesque show. I think I totally relate to this story, right? Like I, Iva and I work together, right? I do her social media for Iva Firo Productions. We've worked together briefly on BurlyCon. I definitely had that same reaction. Like, you know, and I think that that's part of the magic of burlesque and the magic of being able to meet people in person and connect with them. Mm-hmm. I mean, seeing pictures of her, seeing her videos, you know, she's fierce, she's intense, she's definitely a rock star. And then you meet her, you hear her voice, and it's like, oh, yeah, she's really goofy, just like the rest of us. <laughs> Yeah, and there's something just really charming about that. In a field of very unique people, she is one of the most unique, uh, I feel. What makes Iva unique? She is, you know, I mean, you hear the term the total package. And there are many total packages in, in burlesque. Even like listening to the interview, how she talks about how she doesn't necessarily have choreography in her back pocket. She uses spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> to map out her choreography. She's, so she's taking her accounting mind and applying it to, to burlesque. There aren't that many performers just sort of embodying that 90s aesthetic as completely as, as Iva does. I don't know, she just is creative in a way that uh, is very accessible, I feel. Not that, you know, not that a lot of other performers aren't, but when you take that creativity matched with that very specific aesthetic that she that sort of drives her that package is is very unique to me absolutely that was a good answer i will say that uh, iva has performed at behoff seven times in nine years i've seen six of them (laughs) i missed her debut in 2011 but my first year was 2012 at one time when i was hearing about oh behoff las vegas i thought yeah i might go once one day and uh now i'm you know now i'm a a regular Um, if behoff happens this year it'll be my ninth year in a row i've often said behoff is both the most accepting stage that you can find yourself on because almost everyone in the audience just is going to get what you're going for they're going to understand the pressures of being on that stage and you know, they're going to be completely with you. But it's also the most daunting stage because everyone out there knows what they're doing and you know, knows what to look for. And so it's this weird mix based on the greatest, most accepting, loving stage you could find yourself on and also just the most nerve-wracking stage you could possibly find yourself on at the exact same moment. And I feel that even on a stage like that, she absolutely shines every time I've seen her, even you know seven times on that particular stage. The fact that she just continues to bring it. I mean, just getting accepted once is pretty astounding. Not just getting accepted, but doing well uh, once is, is something. And then not just being accepted two or three, but seven times and still bringing it every time. There's, there's something to be said for that. The magic of Iva. She's incredible. <laughs> it, it is magic. Paul, as I mentioned earlier, you have your Burlesque Appreciation Month blog. Tell me more about your appreciation of Burlesque. You can find that blog at burlesqueappreciationmonth2020.blogspot.com. I started doing it because even though I am a writer, I don't write nearly as much as I should, and it, I've gotten out of the habit of it. So it became a way to just kind of get some thoughts down every day. I didn't have a plan, although a plan kind of evolved as it 
as it went on. Yeah, I'm constantly trying to ask myself, you know, why why do I like burlesque? What do I like about it? I, you know, I probably tend to over intellectualize <laughs> things like it that. It happens. It's all good. It's part of the charm. I think it was something I, I already knew, but I had never verbalized, which is there's something really magical about burlesque. You know, a, a performer is getting on stage and the vast majority of the time removing their, their clothing. So there's an implied vulnerability there. And it's certainly not easy for for a lot of people to to take that first step onto onto the stage, the vast majority of the time, again, people I've talked to who've performed even once, there's a, a, a liberation to it for them, which I, I really identify. I mean, I think you're getting that energy from the stage, that feeling of liberation, that feeling of, of freedom. But the performers that I really dig that are up there on stage, that are being vulnerable, there, there's just this authenticity to it that I really identify with. Just someone being their their true self, or at least a version of their true self. It just makes me smile every time. Every time I feel that connection with someone that is absolutely doing what they want to do and you know bringing it to an audience for that you know four or five minutes or however long the act happens to be. It really is a magical thing just feeling that person's authentic self being exactly who they want to be for a few minutes it's it's really really great and i think that fundamentally that's what keeps me coming back Ooh, wow paul that was a great deep answer i can definitely tell that you appreciate burlesque you highlighted a number of performers in your blog uh, for that month in 2020 that i really really adore and so it was lovely reading what you wrote about them it was nice reading what you wrote about me there's that too i uh, gotta <laughs> thank you for that i think this is a good place to wrap paul thank you so much for being on this mini episode of the pacey tapes and thank you so much again for sponsoring i have a handfuls episode Rockstar Vibes, which you can catch on the Pacey Tapes on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and wherever you're listening to this episode right now. Where can people find you on the internet, Paul? I, I actually kind of keep my Facebook locked down pretty pretty hard. I tend to only accept friends that I know or know personally. I'm on Twitter uh, and the, the, the handle requires a little bit of an explanation. Um, if you're a Breaking Bad fan, uh, you would know the phrase, I am the one who knocks. Yeah, if you've not watched Breaking Bad, it's a very good show. <laughs> if you're not watching, if you haven't watched Breaking Bad, you're missing out. I am originally from Knoxville, Tennessee, home of Salome Cabaret. Uh, we didn't really get into that either, but Salome, I kind of refer to as my burlesque textbook. They were the people who, after I really started becoming a fan, those were the shows I went to and saw you know, really good acts every month and people experimenting and, uh, you know, they're very good friends of mine. Oh, anyway. Shout out to hometown Salome Cabaret out of Knoxville, Tennessee. Being from Knoxville, I sort of saw, oh, the one who knocks, K-N-O-X. So on Twitter, I am at the one who knocks, K-N-O-X. And on Instagram, which uh, I find very maddening because uh, I'm, very much a verbal and not a visual person. Someone had already taken it. So uh, I am on Instagram at numeral one who knocks K-N-O-X. So Twitter at the one who knocks K-N-O-X. Instagram at one who knocks K-N-O-X. Thanks again, Paul. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Thanks again, Paul, for chatting with me and for sponsoring Iva Handful's episode, Rockstar Vibes. 
Thank you again for listening to this mini episode of The Pacey Tapes. If you want to learn more about sponsoring an episode of the podcast or find that donation button or see what cool perks you'll get by joining the Pacey Tapes fan club, visit thepaceytapes.com. You can follow The Pacey Tapes across the internet at The Pacey Tapes. I want to hear from you. Tell me your thoughts about the show. Send me an email at thepaceytapes at gmail.com or a text at 1-530-727-8437. That's 1-530-PASTIES. Tell me your thoughts about things. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for supporting the Pacey Tapes as we bring in year one of the podcast and celebrate year two of Show My More. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep listening to the show. Keep telling your friends all about it. I love to see it out there. It makes me so happy to see you share the show. I am your host, Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. You can find me at Show My More across the internet. Check out my merch. Read about the classes I'm offering at showmymore.com. Thank you again to Paul Lewis and love always to the members of the Pacey Tapes fan club. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you soon. You have been listening to the Pasty Tapes, a burlesque podcast by Show My More, the steamiest Asian dumpling. This is Blanche Debris saying thanks for listening and see you later, ducklings.